What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...up on industry changes. Call 909-888-6841. You'll be impressed by the fast and friendly response from the UNDI skilled staff. You can also go to the Contact Us page and request a part. UNI hours of operation are Monday through Friday, 8 till 5, and Saturday, 8 till 3. UNI Auto Truck Parts and Wrecking is located at 1435 West Rialto Avenue in San Bernardino. Check out the UNDI webpage at the letter U, the letter I autoparts.com or call 909-888-6841 909-888-6841 This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM CNBC Radio A big rally today on Wall Street as U.S. investors grew more confident that British voters will opt to remain in the European Union and with that the Dow soared higher 230 points higher Closing back above 18,000. The Nasdaq up 76. First-time jobless claims down by 18,000 last week, near a 43-year low. But sales of newly built homes down 6% in May, coming off a blowout April. Meantime, long-term mortgage rates edging a little bit higher this past week, 3.56% for a 30-year fixed-rate loan. Volkswagen is offering more than $10 billion to thousands of diesel engine car owners, settling claims over its emissions cheating software scandal. And the first luxury cruise ships slated to sail through the Arctic's Northwest Passage, connecting the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans, sailed through a U.S. Coast Guard inspection in Alaska today. Tom Busby, CNBC Radio. A Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 400,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Hi, I'm rapper-actor model Lil Dicky, and I'm here to talk to you guys today about a pretty glaring issue within our society, and that's condom usage. Guys, I think we've gotten pretty laissez-faire about wearing condoms, and to be honest, I find it disgusting. People are having unprotected sex without even batting an eye. It's insane. It doesn't make one shred of sense to me. How can you even enjoy it? I'd be so stressed out the whole time. I won't bore you guys with the stats, but just know that STDs and unintended pregnancies are very real, and there's nothing better than peace of mind, and that's what a Trojan can provide you, the pleasure of protection. So be an adult and put a condom on. Hey, buddy, I hoid the droughts moving in, muscling in on your turf. 
To make matters worse, the man keeps telling you to limit your spigot. That drought is bad news, no fooling. But me and my boys can help. The water boys, on the water zone, Thursday nights at six. We'll help you protect your turf and save water. And hey, don't worry about it. Consider it a gift. Yeah, Louie, you heard the boss. We gotta listen in at 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. Okay, Vinny, you got it. The water zone, Thursday nights at 6 p.m. I'll tell our lawn it's now protected. The water zone on KCAA 1050 AM. Plexus Slim, the pink drink. It works. Consider the following. 95% of all diets and weight loss programs fail. 8 out of 10 Americans over the age of 25 are overweight. And 174 million Americans are overweight. Finally, there is a healthy solution to help you lose weight. The synergistic effect of Plexus Slim and Plexus 96 taken together can help you lose more weight faster than you ever thought possible. Experience quick results and keep the weight off. People around the country are experiencing amazing results, and you can too. Plus, right now, you can try it free for seven days. Just email your name, address, and phone number for a free sample to triplexusfree at gmail.com. Triplexusfree at gmail.com. Plexus Slim, the pink drink. It works. Okay, nurse, let's get this man to the ER stat. Right away, doctor. We see this every day. Heart attack or angina pain due to blocked and clogged arteries. Chelation can remove obstructions or blockages from arteries and help avoid painful and expensive surgery. Now there's Angioprim. It's a liquid oral chelation product that you take with juice. You start to feel the results fast. Angioprim increases blood flow all over the body, and that means more energy and strength to take on the day with less aches and pains. Sixty years of research has gone into chelation. And Angioprim is the result, a safe and easy way to unblock your veins and arteries from buildup that slow circulation. Paging Dr. Jones, please report to the emergency room right away. Log on now for a special radio offer from Angioprim. That's angioprim.com slash radio, A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M, angioprim.com slash radio, or call 877-882-7221. That's 877-882-7221. The other station claims to be local. Since when is Glendale local? KCAA, your true local station. Hey! What the? Honey! The water just stopped in here! They turned it off because you're wasting water! What? What are you talking about? You know! Because you know it's all about that drop. About that drought, no water. It's all about that drought. About that drought, no water. It's all about that drought. About that drought, no water. It's all about that drought. About that drought, 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 drought. Yeah, it's pretty clear. We're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom, gloom, and all our grass must go. But together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drought. About that drought, no water. It's all about that drought. Well, good afternoon and no welcome water. to the Water Zone it's on KCAA 1050 AM no and 106.5 FM. 
Broadcasting live from downtown beautiful San Bernardino on a cooler day today. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Starr, along with the other host who made the A-list today. The A-list. All right. For the first time in my career. All right. And by that, I mean he's the adaptable, admirable, adventurous, accepting, agreeable, ambitious, analytical, approachable, appealing, articulate, assertive, attentive, amusing, and amazing. Ageless, authentic, and just plain awesome, Mr. Mike, also known as Mikeypedia Baron. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that, you great person, you. I uh... I went through all the adjectives that are good. There's some in there that are really bad that I don't want, ever want to do because they're all, they all say bad things. So. That's right. Well, hopefully I won't ever you know exemplify those bad things. And uh, you know, I'm really excited uh, this afternoon because I'm... Just very, very look for looking forward to our our guest, and um, you know we're still in a drought down here in Southern California. Although all of the water agencies seem to be you know in in good shape, but um, Rob, why don't you? Uh, well, we'll talk about a little about some of the news for the week. Oh, you moment. want to talk about a little bit of news at first? Yeah. Okay, I thought maybe we'd flip it over, but yeah, let's do the news. Got to do the news, people. That's why people tune in. I just got so excited about. I think they tune in to listen to me. No, they want the news. <laughs> They do. Okay, so let's talk a little about that. So the first thing, we remind our listeners we do have a contest going. And that's a, a, that's a, right. And we're going to... Angel tickets angel in tickets the play. And dinner. And they get four tickets and preferred parking, so it's going to be good. It's going to be in July. Uh, so the deal is they have to, we're going to give them three riddles, one every single week. This is the third week. And next week, we're going to review them all one more time because we want this to be for July Smart Irrigation Month. That's what we're promoting here. And so what I'm going to do is read the first one that we gave, the second one, and I'm going to give the third one without us telling the answers. And all I have to do is go to www.torowatersmart.com and leave a message with what the answers are. And the one who comes the closest to that, hopefully they'll get three out of three. Uh, so one out of three, they'll win. We'll announce it on our um, July show. And uh, make sure that when you do email us, you let us know your name, that contact information. So. And if they don't, we can use the tickets. That's right. We'll go. We'll go on your behalf because that's the kind of guys we are. <laughs> that's right. We like. We like that. And coming up is going to be our anniversary show. One year. Can you imagine? I mean, I just can't imagine that it's been a year. It flew by, and we're going to have uh, – It's going. we're also combining it with our micro-irrigation division, so they're going to do a little bit of ag stuff, and but we're also going to bring in a lady named Deborah Hamlin, who is the executive director of the Irrigation Association. And the Irrigation Association, of course, is the organization that developed the whole concept of Smart Irrigation Month back in the year – 2005. Absolutely. And it has really grown and helped to expand our awareness that in the month of July, in the aggregate, the United States, all our urban communities together consume more potable water than in any other month of the year. That's that's great. And that means we need to be thinking how we can reduce that, make sure that we're using that water wisely because... Water is a precious natural resource. Absolutely. And the Irrigation Association, for our, which is, we're part of the industry, has a contest coming up in July uh, to promote uh, efficient water use. And what it was is, or what it is, is you have to take a selfie and with a caption and use this uh, picture 
or not picture, but the sign that they have that you can download it off the web and it says, uh, I, I support, you know, efficient irrigation. And Mike and I did one. And and we were and we and we were talking to Deborah Hamlin and we said hey you know we do it we're going to follow your rules and send it in like we're supposed to she says oh no let's see it so I sent it to her the other day and if you go to their um, uh, Facebook you'll see Mike and I on this crazy looking picture it's the first of two that we're going to do to promote uh, water efficiency so we're very proud that we're the first ones and the reason we like to talk about water efficiency and promote water efficiency. Is that it's you can have well, <laughs> but also we it, it lets you save water, reduce your water consumption, while you maintain a healthy, attractive landscape. Yep. So you get the best of both worlds. It's not about either or. It's really about and save water and right save your lawn. And it makes our houses look nice with curb appeal, so you and I can sell it for lots of money, retire, and retire millionaires. Right? That's right. But I do have to give a shout-out to Southland Sod. Their, I think, president was on our show uh, several months ago. They have a new website, and you don't type in www, believe it or not. You just type in S-O-D for Sod or Southland, mm-hmm. uh, but S. O D is in David dot com, and you will learn all of the benefits of a healthy, attractive lawn. And the first picture you will see is uh, something about it's okay to love your lawn. Absolutely, it's not a sin. It's not a you know environmentally uh, negative thing to do. Provided we irrigate efficiently. That's right. So that's why we like to talk about efficient irrigation. Well, let me finish the thing on the contest. Let me read that, and then we'll go into the quickie news and bring in our guest. So the first first, uh, riddle that we gave uh, a couple weeks ago was, what is one thing that all wise men, regardless of their politics or religion, agree is between heaven and earth? That was riddle number one. Riddle number two, which was last week, walk on the living, they don't even mumble, walk on the dead, they mutter and grumble. What are they? That was was riddle number two. And the riddle for this week, the third and last one, you heard me before, yet you hear me again. Then I die till you call me again. I'll read that one more time. Ooh, I think I might know that one. You probably do. Are we eligible for the? We're not no. eligible for that. Okay. Only if the person who gets the riddles wants to take us with, because they get four well, tickets. Well, that they forget to give us their contact information. That's They're, right. So anyway, I read the third one one more time, and then we're going to repeat all three next week, and then the week after, for the first week in July, we will announce who the winner is. So the third and last riddle is: You heard me before, yet you hear me again. Then I die till you call me again. And that's the third riddle. So anybody who wants to take a stab at this, instead of stabbing us, go ahead and go to www.torahwatersmart. I'm sorry. I should keep my day job instead of this. <laughs> uh, www.torahwatersmart.com and leave your name and your answers and how we get a hold of you, and we'll do that. So let's talk about, real quickly, what's in the news for water today. we got lots of stuff, but we do want to get to our guests. Absolutely. Well, uh, I do want to tell you that... Apparently, uh, there are several water agencies that have done their due diligence and are telling the State Water Resources Control Board that, guess what? We have plenty of water to get us through the next three years, even though the next three years 
will be as dry as the last three years. And so that's what they're able to deliver to the State Water Resources Control Board. And so their consumers do not have restrictions. But several other agencies are maintaining their state mandated restrictions from last year and saying, you know, this was the beginning. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...of a good thing. We still need to conserve. And so I think there's a good balance. We shall see how this plays out. But we all should be thinking about smart ways to use our water and conserve water. Once it's gone, we're all gone. Yeah. That's the way it is. So, yeah, everybody still needs to think about conserving. And I think they they got into the mode because we saved quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, And it wasn't that difficult. Well, you know, I would say that in the major metropolitan urban areas, you're absolutely right. But there was actually over, I think, uh, 2,000 wells that serviced local rural communities that actually went dry. And this is in the Porterville area, East Porterville area. Mm -hmm. The state of California is investing to connect that water supply to the city of Porterville water supply. And those folks will now get again drinkable water delivered directly to their homes because they don't have that and they haven't had that. Well, they, need, they desperately need that. Absolutely. You know, there's lots of, you know, not only in California, there's other areas in the country who's going through a little bits of drought, but also the purity of water. Have you noticed in the last couple months how many states are now complaining their water's contaminated? I haven't, there's but... A, there's a lot. I, I was reading this thing here on three Colorado cities are contaminated with toxic chemicals above EPA limits. There's 80,000 people south of Colorado Springs being warned of high level of what they call PFCs in water. And I guess I don't understand it because water agencies have to follow regulations from the state and the federal level. And why are they seeing this? And how can... I, I know the, the state's suing that one company in Flint, Michigan, who supposedly did all these tests. Why are we putting up with this stuff? Why do we wait so long till people get sick before they do something? I, don't, I, I just don't get it. Part of, part of what's going on, believe it or not, is the rules are changing. Uh, the EPA is not a static organization. They are looking at these levels of chemicals, and on an annual basis they review and actually lower some limits. So what used to be acceptable three years ago, all of a sudden, is no longer acceptable. So that may be part of the reason you're starting to see some of these uh, issues 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 come up. It's pretty sad. I just hate to see anybody, adults, children, old people, you know. And, and there's more and more cropping up in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I was re- when I was research- researching this the other day, not only in California but in Oregon, but back east and in Michigan. I mean, it's coming up more and more and more. And it's like, wow. But if you think about it. Um, of the water that's delivered to our homes never passes through our lips. Most of the water that's delivered goes for all of the uses where the presence of those chemicals are probably much less of an an issue. It's only when you're drinking 
on a continuous basis. So, so, you, so you can put dichlorodiphenol trichloroethylene, which is DDT, spread all over your body with the water, and that's okay, but you can't drink it. Uh, <laughs> it is at the levels that they're talking about. Yeah. So that's that's you know it's always uh, an issue about what what are the levels and how recently have have they been changed. But you know I was mentioning something about about lawns and water. Um, our guest uh, today is someone who is an expert and at at uh, painting with water saving plants yep. paints the landscape and, and and his name is Mr. Greg Rubin yes and he's the president and founder of California's own Native Landscape Design Inc a little background about him he's a leader in California native landscape design and horticulture he's award winning landscape designer lecturer consultant and co-author with Lucy Warren of the best-selling native garden book, The California Native Landscape, The Homeowner's Design Guide to Restoring Its Beauty and Balance. Maybe I can hire him to come in my place. Published by Tim Get in line. Get in line. (laughs) Well, maybe we can make a special deal here. Also co-author of the book, The Drought uh, Defying California uh, Garden, also on Timber Press, and that's due out in April 2016. He's designed and consulted on more than 700 native landscapes in San Diego County, Southern California. Design and installation of the new All California Native uh, Infield Landscape at the Del Mar Thoroughbred Racetrack. That's over 2,500 plants he put in. That's a wow. lot. Wow. Designer of the San Diego Botanical Garden Exhibit California Fusion, an Asian-inspired native landscape display, and won nine awards at the San Diego County Fair in 2013. Lecturer and instructor at Miracosta College, Cayumanga College, California State University, San Marcos, and Palomar College. And he's been a guest speaker on native, uh, native landscaping at Jet Propulsion Lab uh, for, for Caltech, uh, Huntington Gardens, San Diego, Ruben H. H. Fleet uh, Museum, and a whole, I can go on and on and on. This guy's got a background. And he's a graduate of my alma mater, I've just found out. Really? So I don't know what year and what his topic was. What but, alma mater uh, was that? Cal State Northridge. All right. But when I went there the first time, the my undergraduate, it was called San Fernando Valley State College. And then they changed them all to the University Cal- of California. Yeah, Cal State University. So anyway, so anyway, like we'd like to introduce Mr. Greg Rubin to the show. Hello, Greg. Hello, guys. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hi, Bob. Great, great, great. I'm uh, so appreciative of you taking time out of your super busy schedule to share some of your knowledge and insights uh, about native plants and landscapes in California. Um, you know, I'd like to start off by just having you share with us a little bit about your company and kind of uh, what it's all about. Boy, even more after that uh, introduction, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the question, though, when you, went, when, you, when you went there, was it San Fernando Valley State or was it? No, I actually graduated in 1989. Oh, okay. uh, I was youngster. on the nine-year plan. I actually started in 1980. <laughs> oh. And my dad said, you could have been a doctor. <laughs> but, uh, actually, I my, had the same my, thing. That or a lawyer, so I chose to be an electronic engineer. <laughs> yeah, but anybody who's seen your landscapes is glad you decided to specialize in California native plants. I'll tell well, you. Well, thank you very much. That's quite a compliment, and uh, yeah, it was quite a career change because I actually worked as an aerospace engineer uh, up in the valley there for about eight years, and I've got a number of patents, and it was a good career. But I really wanted to follow my passion in life, and I had developed this interest in our native flora, uh, actually while I was going to school, and at the point that uh, I was in aerospace management and the industry was contracting and I was having to lay lots of really good people, 
I just said, you know what, this isn't any fun anymore, and maybe I can take my avocation and turn it into my location and knock wood uh, 21 years later uh, still at it. Wow. So that would have had you start your company in uh, like 1995 is actually when I got my license. Wow. That's that's yeah, fantastic. Well, I know since uh, you and I last uh, spent some time together and you were kind enough to speak for the California Landscape in front of the California Landscape Contractors Association at their landscape industry show uh, somewhere around mid mid 2000, um, you know, you've written two books. Um, can you share with us uh, a little more about what they're about? Yeah, well, as Bob mentioned, I appreciate you guys uh, uh, mentioning the books. Um, the first one is called The California Native Landscape, The Homeowner's Design Guide to Restoring Its Beauty and Balance. And what that book uh, really delves into the science, the ecology, the history, the design aspects, of almost everything you ever wanted to know about native landscaping, what was afraid to ask type of a situation. And I really... Uh, along with my co-author, Lucy Warren, really we're trying to almost set it up as a textbook. And uh, it goes into a lot of depth and background. It also has a plant selector, but the main emphasis is kind of on the science and ecology and approach. Whereas the new book, The Drop Defying California Garden, is, is more of a emphasis on plant selection, plant encyclopedia, um, we've got some uh, very specific and unique iconography in there to sort of describe the plant, uh, including uh, something that's completely unique. Uh, there are literally no other garden book that I'm aware of that actually looks at mulch. And it turns out that the type of mulch you use is very important to the success of the native plant communities that we're implementing in these landscapes. Interesting. I remember when you helped our CLCA chapter, the L.A. San Gabriel Valley chapter, and the Fire Academy there near Dodger Stadium. It, mm-hmm. it was very fascinating to follow your instructions in planting these native plants, you know, digging these holes. And there was a lot of mulch, I remember, there. Um, yeah. So It's very important, actually. It's a very important aspect because you're trying to emulate the natural duff layer that actually forms around these plants in nature. And uh, so it's much more than just an attractive top dressing that keeps down weeds and holds in moisture. It's actually an integral part of the biochemistry and the soil biology of California native plants. Well, I remember you introducing me to a word that I had never heard of before, and that was the mitorrhizae, I think. If I mitorrhizae, yes, yeah. yes, you got to tell us a little bit about that because, and and then I know Rob's got a question for you, but but it was yeah, so fascinating. It, yeah, mitorrhizae um, is one of the very important uh, soil partners that uh, native plants have a symbiotic relation with. And it's fungi, and it completely permeates the upper three feet of soil. And it's so microscopic that it can literally penetrate between every single soil particle in that zone. And so it provides a tremendous amount of surface area with which to pull nutrients out of inorganic soil, store moisture, and more importantly, move that nutrition and moisture around to where it's needed in the plant community. 
And what it does is it ties these plants all together, and the plant community is functioning like one giant organism. They're so huge that they actually think some of the largest organisms on Earth are these mycorrhizal grids that have been shown to be DNA identical across over 200 miles. Oh, my gosh. And And what the fungus does is increase the available root mass of the plants by about a 1,000 times. It's a really important aspect that's been pretty well ignored by ornamental horticulture until recently, and now it's starting to get on people's radar. And the other fun thing is that some of the mycorrhizae, especially the ones in the woodland, their fruiting bodies are actually mushrooms. And so some of our most favorite edible mushrooms are mycorrhizal, including morels, chanterelles, and truffles. Now, I've heard truffles are expensive, so, wow. They are. <laughs> they are. They are. Uh, now, when, just two quick things. And sorry, Rob, when no, I got okay. two more quick things. Go One is, it. because of the topic, I just want to make sure any listener who wants to call in and perhaps ask you a question can call in 888-909-1050, because this is KCAA 1050. Uh, so that's 888 Ten fifty. When you mentioned, oh, but if they're local, oh, that's they can right. call nine zero nine eight 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 five two two two. So, when you mentioned that the the mycorrhizal material actually pulls nutrients from inorganic material, by inorganic you mean like rocks, rocks, sand, gravel. You know, our, our soil and our native soils in Southern California are not known for their fertility. And uh, native plants are just fine with that, thank you very much, because they're completely adapted. Actually, prefer very lean, mean, but clean soils. And the mycorrhizal fungi do the work of metabolizing the tr- nutrition out of these really, really lean soils. So, so that's why you had us, like, add some either small little boulders and i mean basically the nutrients are coming from these boulders or rocks that are in the in the landscape as well as to those a other small degree that's part of it and then also just the soil itself because our soil is not naturally very nutritious it turns out the worst thing you can do when you're establishing or, or setting up a native landscape is to add organic soil amendments and the worst thing you can do is to fertilize these plants because what it does is it actually causes them to discard the mycorrhizal fungi because now they're getting all this great nutrition and the problem is that all this great nutrition turns the soil from being a clean fungal-based soil to an anaerobic bacterial-based soil and at that point the pathogens move in they kill the native plant and anaerobic so, for our folks that's no oxygen without oxygen yeah yeah kind of you know when you, you know our native soils are living and like a dead soil is like when you go in the backyard and you stick a shovel in and it immediately smells and you see green algae forming on top of it and it's very closed off that's a dead soil a living soil is actually Spongy, aerated, has wonderful structure to it, and it's full of this fungi and all kinds of other organisms. Wow. So just another question here for you. So in your business, 
Um, how has the drought affected what you do and for your customers? Have you seen any change, an upswing, a downswing? Uh, uh, you know, are people more interested in learning about things or, or, or are they just looking for a quick fix? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Like, let's go, buy, know, let's go buy paint to spray the uh, spray on the grass and make it look greener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? Where they come in, they actually put dye down on, on the dead lawn. and Yep. It actually looks pretty good, Einstein. At least for a little while, but, but my goodness, what's it doing to that soil? Not much. <laughs> and how does it absorb? And how does that affect the infiltration rate when it does rain? Because that's always a consideration, given the uh, interest in you know minimizing runoff after or during a, a rainstorm. But, or they go with plastic lawns, right? Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. So has that, has that, so has all of that changed? Has the drought did anything to your to, to your industry, your business, your customers? You know their views. As you might expect, yes, it has. As you might expect, yes, it has. Um, uh, it uh, uh, really, I mean, it's like the drought hit just as we were coming out of the recession, just at the same time that my first book came out. And so it was this very lucky, synergistic effect that just boosted us on top of the wave, and it doubled our sales overnight. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Wow. You know, which which is is a, a very good thing, a little hard to manage at the time, but we're getting, you know, we got through it. But, um, yeah, there was a huge upswing in interest. and But there was also a lot of education required on our part because working with California native plants, you basically take everything you ever learned in ornamental horticulture and throw it out the window. It's almost the opposite. And that's because what we found is the most successful native garden are the ones that most closely emulate our natural ecology. Mm. And uh, most of our horticulture is based on agriculture. A lot of that came out of northern European swamps, and it's just a very different approach. And, you know, when a plant is not doing well, most people just add water, and if it continues not to do well, they add more water, you know, and it's, it's, it's just about the opposite approach. Oh. Can you stick around for a little bit? We want to take a quick break, and we'll be back. We've got a couple more good questions and get some great answers from you. So you're Thank listening. You. To, great. We're listening to Water Zone on KCAA, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM on your dial. And you can call in and speak with everybody at 909-888-5222 or 888-909-1050. So stick around. We'll be back in a minute.
Did you know that an irrigation system that has a leak of just one thirty-second of an inch in diameter, that's the thickness of a dime, wastes 6,300 gallons of water per month or 75,000 gallons per year? Well, with more solvent cement experience than anyone on the planet, Weldon formulates their products not just to meet a standard, but to exceed it. Weldon products are designed to provide even greater safety margins, often able to make up for common mistakes or less than ideal installation conditions, reducing the chance for leaks and costly callbacks. Weldon's invention of solvent cement over 60 years ago revolutionized the piping industry. From day one, Weldon has led the industry with their broad range of high-performing solvent cements, primers, and cleaners, bringing unique solutions to professional contractors and homeowners. Along the way, Weldon has earned the loyalty of millions of professional contractors who trust their products and depend on their outstanding customer service, live technical hotline, troubleshooting services, and free training. And because they care about the environment, Weldon was the first manufacturer to develop and offer a complete line of low VOC cements. Their hottest formulation is Weldon 750 Hot Weld, a one-step, fast-setting blue PVC solvent cement specifically formulated for superior, long-term, trouble-free performance. So whether you're a professional contractor or just a backyard do-it-yourselfer, choose Weldon, the trusted global leader in solvent cements for leak-free plastic piping systems. To learn more about their complete line of products or technical training, visit the web at www.weldon.com or call their technical service hotline at 877-477-8327. Are you presently part of the irrigation industry as a worker or business owner? Do you want to learn how you and your staff can boost your knowledge and productivity? Then you should check out Irrigator Technical Training School. Irrigator Tech is the leading source of quality instruction serving all facets of the irrigation industry. Their courses provide a basic, easy-to-understand approach that raises the skill level, competency, and professionalism of landscape and irrigation personnel through practical education and services. Irrigator Tech combines classroom and real-life hands-on training, leading to a well-recognized certification that both customers and employers demand. Irrigator Tech's specialized courses can help you quickly become a certified irrigation auditor or a certified installer, repair, maintenance, or backflow technician, Courses also include certificates in smart water application or becoming a certified tree worker. Most importantly, all certifications are state-recognized, and Irrigator Tech offers annual renewal classes to help keep your certification up to date. So whether you work in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, or Arizona, there's an Irrigator Tech class near you. For more information on how to jumpstart your career, call Irrigator Tech toll-free 866-614-1755 or visit them on the web at irrigatortech.com. That's toll-free, 866-614-1755, and on the web at irrigatortech.com. Hey, welcome back to The Water Zone on KCAA 1050 AM, 106.5 M. I'm Rob Starr, along with Mr. Mike Barron, and we're here with a gentleman named Greg Rubin, who's giving us some great ideas and great information. But, Greg, I have, an, I have a question for you that maybe I'm sure you probably will answer or Mikey Petey can answer. So I've heard different sides of, 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 of an answer to this. So on these native plants, do they like to be watered ab- from above or below? So ba- ba- yeah, basically. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, hey, tell us, I mean, you know, what we want to know is from your perspective, uh, you know, what do you right. recommend? I, I've heard both, and, 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 they, and they both sound good to me. And, but... I, and I'll, I'll just uh, add, add something to make, maybe make it easier for you to answer, and, and that is, you know, 
certainly I think we can all agree that you know putting two drip emitters on each side of the of the plant stock is not the way to water a native plant. But here's the two alternatives. One would be you know broadcast overhead spray uh, of some kind uh, versus perhaps a drip ring around uh, placed at the perhaps at the uh, drip line of, of that that plant. So. Well, let me jump in on this one, and this is, I will say, has brought us no small amount of controversy, uh, and... Um, I'm known for controversy. Of, it, That's yes, my sir. wife. That's a, we like we. <laughs> I got help, we, we jump into something controversial. That's right. But, uh, you know, is, is this is from... You know, when I started in this business, all I did was drip. And like many people, I my mortality rates were high, you know, and we were seeing like 40 to 60% mortality. And that was almost accepted as normal for native plants, and they were considered kind of finicky and difficult. And, um, you know, but it just didn't make sense to me that they were doing so great on the at the hill at the end of my street, and my landscape a quarter mile away, they were failing, and so then, uh, and and this also came with mentors too. I had some great mentors along the way who happened to have great backgrounds in soil biology and that. And out of this arose this philosophy that we need to try to emulate nature as much as we can, because ornamental horticulture sure doesn't. And these plants, over millions of years, have adapted to this incredibly specific, very lean, lean climate and conditions that we have, and now we want to just give them all this water and fertility and disturbance and, you know, and and so in looking at the components, as best we can identify them of what a natural ecosystem consists of, I look at how these plants are watered in nature. How does Mother Nature water her plants? I think that would be rain. That would be rain, Right. Mm-hmm. Not in all cases, but in most cases, they receive their water in diffuse rain over large surface area. And, oh, incidentally, you remember the mycorrhizal fungi we talked about? Yes. Well, that, that can completely permeate the whole plant community up to hundreds of miles across. And it's used to receiving its moisture more or less evenly across the whole thing. Uh-huh. And so when I look at a drip system... What I see is a swamp. I see a little localized hypersaturation zone, usually very close to the base of the plant, often surrounded by bone-dry soil. Now, there are native plants that have done very well with that, but they're usually streamside or marshy plants. They're used to having wet feet, and they love drip. But when we convert it over to overhead, light overhead, irrigation, our mortality rates dropped from 40 to 60% to under 10%, almost overnight. It was huge. And it very much sticks with our overall philosophy of just trying as best we can to get as close to natural conditions as we can. And this was in response to the bad experiences and the bad, undeservedly bad reputation that native plants had got. So... Since that time, we have done almost exclusively overhead irrigation. 
Now, there are some exceptions, like little 12-inch wide planters and things like that, where you really can't avoid drift. But we try to go with either these real thin microsprays or some of these vortex or multi-orifice type drift systems to at least get some distribution, okay? But overall, we have had fantastic success and very low water usage using systems like uh, Hunter's MP rotators or Toro's, uh, I think, the Precision Series. Yep, yep. These things are the closest thing to a gentle rainstorm that we can provide them. And we put them on 12-inch pop-ups. We use high arcs. How about about polyrisers? Would they work as well? Pardon me? Polyrisers, you mean like with micro sprays? Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have the distance that a that a rotating stream uh, nozzle course, would have. Course, but, but in those small areas, that's exactly great. what he would yeah. use. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great for parking strips. Yeah. Great for narrow beds, no problem. Whatever will give us something of an overhead delivery pretty much solves the problem because these plants want to have their foliage hydrated. They want, very importantly, the water to infiltrate the mulch through the mulch and pull out micronutrients, and maybe even lightly just wet the soil, but typically, especially in summer watering, we don't want to saturate that soil. And even in these sort of these grid-type drip systems, you go from localized hypersaturation to generalized hypersaturation. Mm -hmm. And we find that the the rotary-type nozzles put down at at a rate that is actually at or less than some of these, like a 12-inch grid-type drip system. So that's true. all around, it's worked great. It's close to nature. It's almost hypnotic to watch. And they pop up, they do their thing, and then they disappear uh, into the sprinkler body. So it's really, for us, it's been the way to go. It's solved a lot of problems. We've had wonderful success. And the way I learned was by warranting our plants. <laughs> you had to find a solution, huh, to that. You bet. When it hits you in the pocketbook, you learn quick. That's right. That's right. Now, um, so my question, uh, kind of a follow-up here, with a uh, mycorrhizal grid, you, you know, mm-hmm. it makes sense to want to use the rotating stream nozzles, but do you typically just aim the rotating nozzle at the native plant, or do you try to go to some type of full coverage uh, of all of the mulched area? Yes, head-to-head. Okay, so you stick with head-to-head spacing. It's just that you use a lot less water because the native plants need a lot less water. Correct, and then, uh, you know, your your grid, you know, so you start out with a a native plant in a pot, and hopefully it's been grown correctly, so that root ball has all that mycorrhizal ecology and everything else right there on the roots. And when you stick it in the ground, that's your inoculum for the site. And then it moves out about three to six feet a year, and everybody starts connecting up by about the second year. And so you have this grid that forms that covers the whole planting area. And so we want to water it more or less evenly, just like Mother Nature. Gotcha. And do you get into this kind of information in, in one of your two books? Yes, and especially the first book goes into all this and more, actually, and and, uh, because I want to explain why we do the things. I want people to understand. I'm just not out there condemning drip systems, and in fact, drip works great for most exotics, for fruit trees, for vegetables. It's just fine. It's really these upland drought-tolerant, like chaparral, coastal sedge shrub, woodland species that really want 
us to approach their natural condition, and that's why we do it with the overhead rainfall, quote-unquote. Well, as, as a sprink, uh, being sponsored by a sprinkler manufacturer, you know, I'm sure they're going to be very happy uh, to hear that uh, native plant gardens need head-to-head spacing. That's that's uh, yep. that's great. <laughs> so yeah, it, it works great. And you uh, know what? It's also a lot easier because, like, the other thing with drip systems, they require so much customer compliance as far as, you know, uh, block tubing, as far as animals chewing through stuff and concentrating salt and well, then having to move the drippers out as the plant grows. You can't expect clients that are just wanting a landscape that's low water and beautiful to have to be involved at that level. So going, you know, head-to-head with, you know, uh, swing joint-type 12-inch bodies and everything, it's bulletproof. It lasts for years and years, and there's almost no maintenance issues. Yeah, a lot lower maintenance. That's a very good point. Well, one of the things as a consumer, you know, I hear these terms. Right, na- you you oh. may, may want to say for the listening audience who may not know what a swing joint is. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, uh, um, we know what it is. Yeah. But I, so basically, that that swing joint, especially on the 12 inch uh, pop up, means that 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 pop up, if it gets some type of pressure on it from directly on top or from the side, that swing joint allows that movement of that head so that instead of the head taking all of the force and breaking perhaps either um, the fitting or uh, uh, the PVC pipe, uh, it actually moves in order to absorb that it makes it, it makes it flexible. So, because I mean, especially on sides of driveways, I see a lot of people they drive their cars up on their uh, on the driveway, but they miss it a little bit and get on the edge and break 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 uh, break the nozzles and stuff and, and mm-hmm. the whole heads, and and then they don't realize that they got a problem. And if they had a swing joint, unfortunately, they probably didn't put the system in. Yeah. But that's what happens a lot, and, and a lot of people don't know about that. Well, especially you know? if you decide to you know go with the low the lowest bid. Uh, yeah. That's offered. I mean, I went to a homeowner when we talked about. Uh, I said, "Do you know what a swing joint is?" He says, uh, "Yeah, my wife and I go listen to music down over this <laughs> place over here." Didn't, didn't know what a what we call. You know, yeah, we, we, right. we have strange vernaculars in our business to to what things are. Anyway, but um, I was going to just say, just to ask you, as a consumer, I hear, hear these terms: uh, native plants and drought tolerant plants. Low water use plants, California friendly plants. Yeah, can can you help us understand? Kind of, I mean, are they all just synonyms from your perspective, or are they different? They're actually they're actually sort of like subsets. Uh huh. And so, um, you know, a California native plant is a plant that actually is native within the geographic boundaries of California, Channel Island. Some people include, you know, northern Baja, maybe into Arizona a little bit. And so it's a geographic thing, but it's also an ecology thing because California is a true ecological island. This this place is hardcore. It's got zillions of different types of soil types because this is where two tectonic plates are crashing together. And you've got a lot going on in very lean soils, incredibly micro-adapted type plants that you basically have a native for every situation you can think of. And so native is within the boundary. Uh, a drought-tolerant plant can come from any of our Mediterranean or desert areas of the world and does not just include natives. And, in fact, because people have had struggles at, on occasion with native plants, drought-tolerant actually often implies non-native plants. 
that mm-hmm. are having to be drought tolerant and drought, drought adapted. And that's because, you know, they approach it from a more of a conventional horticultural sense, and these plants actually can tolerate more water, and they can also tolerate a lot of pathogens that they're immune to because they're exotic. They didn't develop here, so the pathogens didn't develop along with them. So a lot of these plants you bring in from exotic locations uh, are, are, are not as sensitive to non-ecological approaches. So that's drought tolerant. California-friendly usually isn't that subset, subset, but I like to say California-friendly is any plant that will grow in California. So. <laughs> <laughs> Would you include so that's turf? that's kind of the order of precedence, huh? <laughs> Would you include turf as California-friendly, I mean, from that general description, or is that California? Well, you know, we get requests for lawns. Mm-hmm. People do request lawns, and so we actually have a number of very suitable turf substitutes. And one of them that's really beautiful is a sedge called field sedge that looks just like tall fescue, but it requires half the water, less than half the maintenance, but you can mow it, it'll take foot traffic, and if you give it just that little bit of watering, It'll pretty much stay green all year long. And what was that so called again? we actually have native alternatives that we can create lawns for people. Because a lot of people have pets. They have little kids. And they want to do a little lawn yeah. area. And that's fine. And, and we have, you know, answers for that. We have, we have a, a solution for that. Could you repeat the name of that? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, called, it's called Field Sedge. Okay. Uh, the Latin name's a mouthful, Carex Pregracillus. But <laughs> it's, it's about a 6 to 12 inch pretty much evergreen little sedge that really looks like tall fescue. And we plug them in at about every 8 to 12 inches. At first, it looks like a bad hair transplant. <laughs> but then it starts to fill in pretty rapidly. And usually within three to six months, you've got a real solid turf going on. And you can pretty much treat it like a lawn at that point. I mean, it even smells like grass when you cut it, but it. It only requires about half the mowing, if not less, and about half the water. So, it's, so, it's really good for uh, for a drought resistant. In, in your opinion, I mean, because you're now saying that you they come in plugs, can they be hydro seeded? Uh, they can be hydro seeded, absolutely, and the seed is available out there. Is one method um, better than the other, in your opinion? Well, I just think that it's it's one of the more drought tolerant grasses. Um, there are actually two that we typically use. We'll either use field sedge or we'll use buffalo grass. Yeah, that's the one. Buff- buffalo grass is a Midwestern grass, but it's really beautiful and soft and very drought resistant. It does have a tendency to go a little dormant in wintertime, but uh, the UC Verde version is actually fairly green. So those are a couple. We normally plug them in because we get more positive results. The thing with seeding in general is turf is, you know, you have to deal with weeds and invaders and, you know, there's a bit of, uh, there's a bit more um, hand-holding and maintenance required to get the thing established. But you can do it. Interesting. Well, if if I, as a, as a homeowner, and I decide I want to uh, do some landscaping work, have some landscaping work done, uh, but I want to take, I want to, I want to take advantage of the, variety of colors and blooming 
periods that uh, native plants uh, that you taught me, you know, are available if you know your native plants. Um, what advice would you give a homeowner who's going to choose a contractor to do a native landscape or drought tolerant landscape? Well, it depends first what you're if you're after a truly native landscape, and there's a lot of reasons to want a native landscape above just drought tolerance because, I mean, they're beautiful. They give us a sense of place. You know, we're so busy turning Southern California into South Florida that we forget what it looked like. And, of course, the incredible bird and butterfly habitat. I mean, they'll see you as an oasis, right, as in a desert of exotic plants. They just, they'll just come straight into your yard, which is a pretty incredible aviary-like experience. But um, if you're really interested in, in drought, sorry, in California native plants, then I would ask them straight out, what is your experience working with California natives? And have them uh, give you some references or some examples, maybe a drive-by. That's always a little frustrating for me because most of these landscapes end up going in people's backyards. Oh, yeah. And and so I don't always have the drive-by opportunities for people, but I also have to, you know, document my, my work, and usually I can just hand them my book, and that'll be my portfolio. Do you, but, do you learn very quickly if they really understand the terminology and what they're asking you is really what they're thinking about? Or Yes. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, because I do make the distinction. And, and, and so when they're looking, talking to contractors, find out if they, if they start talking about soil amending, about drip systems, then that's uh, a big warning you know, start sign. Start talking palm trees, you know, they, they may not be that experienced with native plants. Oh, that's, that's, that is a good idea because, uh, as you mentioned earlier, if you're going native with native, native California plants, the last thing you want to do is amend the soil or yeah, get some it, type it of fertilizing uh, schedule. Fertilizing schedule would be uh, sort of the opposite of what of what you would want, of what you should have. And I guess the other corollary with that is they need to know how to design with native plants because, you know, unfortunately, uh, people make a mistake with these landscapes and they use plants that are so colorful in the spring, but they tend to lose their leaves or go dormant in summer, and so the thing looks like a riot of color in spring and absolute tumbleweeds involved. Or they or they pile them all together, real close to each yeah, other, and then, and then real close to each other, so, and growing so, on top of each other. So and, yeah, I got to ask you: Did you see any turf terminator jobs out there? In in as oh. you. <laughs> Yeah, let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> well, I can't now, tell you how many turf. Anyway, let's yeah. not go there. <laughs> so, yeah. um, what's your website? Because I think uh, folks that are listening uh, should know what that is, so they can take a look at what you know what you have to offer. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, www.calown. C A L O W N dot com. Like clown with an A in it. So Calown. <laughs> Cal-owned. And uh, that kind of gets into our theory, and there's pictures of our work. Uh, we're in the middle of kind of updating it, so a lot of the photos are still kind of old. And I have a lot of really current, uh, uh, more up-to-date photos uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, we have a California's Own Native Landscape oh, Facebook page. And okay. You can see a lot of really current stuff on there and commentary and stuff like that. And I also uh, post events. Uh, on this website, but also on the Facebook page where I'll be speaking next and things like that. 
Great, because I, you know, sometimes I wonder how you get it all done between your designing, your installation, your speaking, as teaching. As yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you could have a. I mean, I think if I wanted, if I was the dean of a horticulture department at a university, I'd hire you full time to <laughs> make a plan. Well, so. I have had interest, but you know, I have an incredible, an incredible, amazing staff. I cannot thank them enough and give them enough credit. They are just amazing. Well, it's just uh, fascinating to me uh, that there's this life, this organic life biological life uh it's alive you know that that is in symbiotic relationship between the uh mycorrhizal grid and your plants and how it evolves and how it gets watered and how it does not need uh, uh soil amendments and fertilizer i mean i just think that's a amazing fascinating story and uh now there Aren't, there weren't classes when you got started back in 1995. So tell us here towards the end of our show, how did you learn all this stuff? Well, yeah, it was uh, a number of things. I, I picked up a fantastic mentor and a gentleman named Bert Wilson, who was probably one of the most uh, talented restoration ecologists in California, and he also owned a native nursery called Las Chilitas. And unfortunately, Bert passed away a couple of years ago. Oh. But the the nursery is still they're going up in their northern or their uh, yeah, Santa Margarita San Luis Obispo location. And he was huge. He was huge both in native ecology and also fire, which we don't have time to get into. But it turns out these landscapes can be incredibly fire resistant. Uh, Another benefit. <laughs> that could be a whole other show just getting yeah. into that, but. But, uh, um, you know, I learned a lot from him. And then, you know, after about 750 landscapes, you learn a few things, a lot of trial and error, a lot of painful experiences. And, you know, when you're out there warranting your installations, you learn real fast. And you put things together, and the Internet was an incredible invention and able to cross-reference and look up stuff very quickly and easily and from all over the world and read scientific papers and so on. And, but the bottom line was just to try to observe nature and to try to emulate it as best we could in a native landscape situation and not introduce any foreign variables to the system that we know don't exist in nature. And then just provide the conditions for all these great natural processes to develop and take hold. And it's working. Wow. It's working. Well, that's fantastic. Hey, well, uh, Greg, we're running out of time, and uh, we're up against uh, our hour. Uh, we, on behalf of Mike and myself, and Mike will say the same thing after me, but we do appreciate you coming on the show and giving some credence to this whole world and mystery of uh, drought-tolerant plants and, and what's happening and what you've done. And, again, uh, your website real quick. CalOwn. CalOwn, dot com, and it was an honor to be invited. Thank well, you. Hey, we'd love to have you back again. And, folks, remember, Facebook is where he has his current most up-to-date pictures, so... Uh, He's one of the best, if not the best, in California. And join us next week. Uh, it's our anniversary show. And remember to worship your ground and your lawn. That's right. <laughs> and your native plants. Native. Hey, thanks a lot, Greg. Take care. Everybody Thank have you. a great week.
This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM UK.